This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here and in association with my good friends at CVF Capital. Today, I am excited because uh, one of my favorite, and I mean favorite communicators on the planet, uh, we got we to chop it up with. Um, you've heard the Reverend Albert Tate um, <laughs> preach, whether at Fellowship Monrovia um, I, when I was at Willow, I would bring him out, um, whether at the, the global leadership summit, um, I've had the privilege of being in prison in <laughs> Louisiana and hearing him preach and get, um, so many men who, um, were incarcerated just uh, to discover once again, what freedom and hope and Jesus is all about. Uh, he is unbelievable. But I, I feel like in the last uh, few years, I have grown in some incredible um, levels of respect for him. He's, he's always been one of the top storytellers. Uh, he's been able to exegete scripture. He has been able to um, leave you thinking. Um, people just absolutely love, love, love this man on and off the stage. But um, he has been someone who is not afraid to dive into uh, the deep, the deep end, uh, difficult situations, uh, difficult conversations, and really point people to a hope, to a truth um, that I believe is Jesus. Uh, it is, is what Jesus uh, would point us to. And so um, without further ado, Albert, thank you. Thanks for joining me on the Crafting Character Podcast. I love you. It's going to be awesome to chop it up with you. Bro, it's so good to be on here. That was the best introduction I've ever got in my life. I'm going to record that. I'm going to send that to my mama. This, that was amazing. I'm gonna say, mama, <laughs> let me be your hype man, Meryl. But let me go on the road with you. Go. Take me on the road. That's it. No, I, I can't afford you on the road, bro. Uh, I can't do that. Bro, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. Bro, we were in Louisiana in Angola prison and the Lord just moved, man. You just mentioning that one of the guys that was there recently got released, got Come on. Uh, pardoned uh, by the governor um, and he was serving a life sentence. So he's now married with his wife living in Louisiana. So God is still writing stories from our time there. And it just goes to show the power of God's glory. So Bro, Crafting Character, this is unbelievable. This is one of the yeah, best man. podcasts out. So I'm well, glad to be on here. Thanks, man. Well, you know, this is a podcast where, you know, talk about the the craft of communication and preaching, which you, know, you and I share a love for, but always just wanting to be the kind of people where a character leads the way. And um, I, I wanted to go differently. I mean, we'll get you back on the podcast at some point to, to really talk about teaching and your prep. But... Um, I came across a few months ago, you actually kind of deciding to, to go a little bit of a different direction with the preaching masterclass and starting next week, Monday and Tuesday, February 8th and 9th, you are going after what it means to 
disciple people out of racism. Can you just talk about how, how, like where did this idea come from? I mean, I love it. I, I have so many questions about it, but just give me the backstory of like, dude, where were you when you were like, this is what needs to happen? What was that defining moment for you? Yeah, so preaching masterclass is something that the Lord gave me a vision for a couple of years ago. And it's really just to help the next generation of communicators tell the story. Uh, I started a company called The Greatest Story, which is about this idea of telling the greatest story that's ever been told and equipping people to live into that story um, and to to teach that story. So that's kind of kind of my 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 kind of life's work. This is John 316. Um, we did one and it was all about preaching and inspiration inspiration and how to tell the story and illustration. And it was amazing. We had an amazing time. And it came time for the second one. And bro, um, the world just changed. The pandemic hit. Um, you got Ahmaud Aubrey this summer. You got George uh, Floyd. And, and I'm just in the middle of these conversations. And I knew it before, but it just becomes clear to me Um we don't see this issue the same in the body of Christ. For right. some, it feels like an extracurricular activity. It's like gym or band. Like I've got my core curriculum. And if I get some extra time, you know what? I'll check out some stuff about race. Or we can probably work on racial reconciliation to think about some justice stuff. But other than that, I got my core competencies and it's there. Not only that, but bro, I'm seeing my, my brothers and sisters who are white leaders in this Christian space. And man, when it comes to talking soteriology, Christology, theology, man, we sound like PhDs. They, they sound like PhDs on Sunday morning. Bro, we get to talking about race. All of a sudden, they sound like third graders. Right. It's like, look at George Floyd. Go look back at the film, George Floyd. The Sunday after George Floyd, it's in like every white pastor in the country called their closest black friend and said, hey, can you come on with me and help me put this message together? Because they didn't even feel confident putting together a sermon without having somebody black on stage with them to do that. Now, some people did it for different reasons or whatever, but I just think it's ironic that you just got all these, hey, hey, can you come and do this message with me? Because we're so, we lack confidence. My white brothers and sisters lack confidence in this area because if we're honest, we don't treat it as a gospel-centered area. Wow, we, don't, we don't look at racial reconciliation as an outworking of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You teach more about your offerings than you do about the outworkings of Jesus Christ concerning race. And it is one of the most significant messages in scripture. God, I mean, they break it down like this. There's this scene with, with and, they, and they're trying to figure out what is it about? What's it, tell us. He says, Here, here's it in the bottom line. You got 10 commands. You got, here's it in the bottom line. Number one, love the, God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you get them to right, you win the game. If we have to boil it down. So loving your neighbor requires you knowing, seeing, and understanding the birth burden of your neighbor. And as a Black man navigating multi-ethnic spaces, to be honest, bro, I just got tired and frustrated with my white siblings being my burden and not lifting my burden. Wow. 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 Because in these moments of racial unrest, I can't even sit and lament in the brokenness of my heart because I'm having to spin 
painstakingly time defending my tears to my white siblings that have no idea the burden. And I'm looking at our uh, our curriculum. I'm looking at our uh, pedagogy, uh, if you will, if, if I'm saying that word right. If, I'm looking at how we teach, how we communicate now. And I'm thinking, oh, the next generation is not going to be any better because no one is equipped with this conversation. So number one, we got to see this conversation as racial reconciliation as spiritual formation. Yes. We got to see it as that. And the conversation about race is an indicator of spiritual maturity. It comes from spiritual maturity as I seek to see and understand and love my neighbor well. So number one, you got to see racial reconciliation as a form of spiritual formation. This is me getting my life together. Number two, I was on the phone with some other black pastors and in the heat of the racial unrest, we're on the thread, we're on the text thread. You know how you got your, the, the, some homies on the text thread. Yeah, we got yeah. the, the, the bros on the text thread. And one of my friends, Charlie Dates, um, from from Chicago, one of the baddest preachers, man. Ooh. I call him. I mean, gold. and you and you talk about a a bold move that he just made. Oh, huge! You know huge. what I mean? He's, I'm like huge. this guy. I love that man. Oh, love that he, man. And he unpacks at the conference that we'll talk about in a little bit. He um he's he's one of the speakers. He unpacks critical race theory. Talks about all that kind of. It's really brilliant. But we're on a text thread and he just says these words and it just resonated. He said, man, racism has been discipled in us. This, this thing has been discipled in. Yeah. And man, that hit me. And I was like, you know what? It's got to be discipled out. Come on. It's got to be discipled out. It's got to be from spiritual leaders, spiritual institutions declaring that something has happened to us and it ain't right. So we got to understand the history. We got to look at it. And racism discipled in, it just wasn't discipled into us. It's so it's so funny. We give sin an easy pass when it comes to racism. We don't assume the worst when it comes to sin, when it comes to racism. But anywhere else, we gonna root it out, dig it out, right. get, don't let it come close. Racism, oh, we give each other the benefit of the doubt. Oh, racism stopped just in us personally, in personal races from back in the day. It didn't get in the institutions. It didn't get in the water that we swim in. Oh, yes, it did. Sin is serious. And it did not decide to say, no, nah, I'm not going to. So racism is in the institutions. It's in, look at, look at the history of private schools and yeah. look at the genesis of private schools. The root of it is racism. Look at yep. neighborhoods and the way neighborhoods are zoned a certain way. If you go back to the root of it, it was that. So those people are probably dead and gone, but what they put in the institutions and the systems are still there. So it's got to be discipled out of our own minds, our own souls. Then we've got to bring that to bear on the institutions that we're a part of, that we work for, that we work around, and that work around us. So when it was that moment when I said, all right, this thing has got to be discipled out. And the preaching masterclass just had to get bigger at that point, because yeah. this conversation is not just for preachers, whether you're leading a church, leading a business or leading your family table, you need this conversation. So we put together two days worth of content. It'll actually be on demand. So once you register, it starts streaming February 8th and 9th, but you can go and look at it anytime. Time, you gain access then on-demand streaming. Um, and bro, we walk through the reality that has been discipled in and we unpack that and we look at what that looks like. And then we talk about it being discipled out and what does it mean for it to be discipled out? And then we talk about 
practical application. So I sit down with Matt Chandler, Carlos Whitaker, Latasha Morrison, and I say, all right, what do we do? How yeah. do we do this? I'm leading the organization. And they give us a lot of what not to do's and they give us some great tips on what to do. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Dude, I, I'm seriously, I mean, I, I your your courage uh to to go after this because you know I remember you know our, our mutual friend Lecrae you know he he started speaking out and all of a sudden a lot of money was lost oh yeah they didn't they people did not want that Lecrae they yeah. wanted uh, a version that they were in control of and I I'm so grateful like for his voice in what he's done and. But and he and he's come and he's the, the Lord's turned it around. I don't feel bad for him. He's making way more money oh, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That don't, book don't. selling, that CD selling. Yeah, yeah. He need to, he need to give me some money now. He does, <laughs> he paid the money back already. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I but I see here and I go. You know, you're one of the best storytellers. Um, have you like the more that you have spoken out about this? Have have people been? less calling you to their white stages or like, Hey, um, more checks and balances. Like, Hey, um, can, what are you, what are you talking about more where before it was a little bit more carte blanche freedom. Like how have you experienced, because I, I really believe there's a cost at this because, because it's been discipled in, there are strongholds that do not want to be, uh, discovered, uncovered in, in this holy shaking. And there's a whole bunch of us that want this. Um, but yeah, just what's that been like for you personally? Absolutely. I I think I really wrestle with moments of fear, moments of, huh. bro, are you going you gonna to say this? You going <laughs> to like these? But man, when you look at George Floyd, bro. Come on. And when you, when you look at that footage and when you look at, when you look at those people storming the Capitol on January 6th, carrying a Jesus flag, I immediately see what's at stake if we keep silent. Yes. Um, I immediately see clearly that trying to be neutral and trying to be nuanced, um, it, it, I'm, I'm wise. I try to be loving and I try to be marked with grace. But I realize it's going to cost me something. Man, there's a passage, though, and this is what even the conference and the gathering is about. It's about empowering leaders, pastors to lift. Man, if we would, all, if we would just lift every voice. The, the Negro National Anthem uh, is called Lift Every Voice and Sing. Yeah. Um, and that song has been burning in my heart. And I just thought, man, if all of us, if we just lifted our voice against racism, it, it would fall just like that. So I'm on a mission to drive brothers and sisters to lift their voices. Second Samuel 24, 24, I never sat with this passage until this week, and it's messing me up. David has sinned uh, before God. He has to offer up a sacrifice. He goes, I, th I think the name is Aaronah. Um, he, 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 asked to use his threshing floor so that he might offer up a sacrifice. So he gets ready to pay. He says, King, I'll give it to you for free. And David, 2 Samuel 24, 24 says, I cannot offer something to the Lord that cost me nothing. Nothing. Yes. Ouch. Yep. And I fear 
that we are being caught in a cultural version of Christianity that that is fueled by sacrifices that offering up to God things that cost us nothing. Uh, Offering up, I, I can put an MLK quote on my Instagram and call that an offering. I can watch church in my underwear while sipping a latte and call that offering. Now I ain't mad at that. I've done all of that, but don't, but don't think that that's your offering to God. Don't offer up to something that costs you nothing. So when I think about the cost and the risk of not being invited to certain conferences and certain spaces and certain things, my ego says, ouch, but my soul says, well, God, maybe I'm getting to the place in my ministry and my worship where I'm actually offering you something that cost me something. Oh, what a joy to offer up to God something that actually cost me something because God, you offered something to me that cost you everything. Come on. Right. This is a preaching, come on. Come on, this a, a preaching I, I know. podcast, ain't it? I, come I, on. I, I, we got I'm going to throw the keys. Come <laughs> on. Let's get the organ. <laughs> you know, you know what's, what's amazing, uh, Albert. And again, I just, uh, I thank you. I thank you for this. And, um, I remember when I bought my first house, Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, I called my mentor. You would have loved this guy. His name was Hal. He ended up passing five years ago. Um, but he, I called him and I, I really wanted him to celebrate with me. And the fact that like, dude, I, bought, I bought a house and he just said, um, Hey, be really careful. I said, why? He goes, um, when you get a house, um, usually your prophetic voice goes because now you have something to lose. Wow. And, and he said, that house, don't, don't let it get in the way of you having to say what God has put on your lips and on your heart to say. Wow. Um, and, and I just remember just like, I did not expect that. But that was like our relationship. He was always challenging me and, yeah. you know, he'd always say stuff like, you know, uh, you're going to be somebody's heretic and you're not going to make everybody happy. And if you can do those two things, then get on a pulpit and preach. Um, but if you can't go find another job, you know, and, but wow. I think, I think, you know, I've watched you, I've watched you online. I've watched you in the mornings. I've watched the the things that you are posting and, um, you you've taken some hits and you've responded. It's like, it's, it's exposed the best of you though, the Mm -hmm. best of you. And, um, we need it. I feel like, and I do, I I think it's fascinating is I've been, been trying to write about this and, and, and process it, but you know, uh, maybe four years ago, I, I was disappointed that enough, not enough people had put up a, an MLK quote on Martin Mm -hmm. Luther King day. You know what I mean? But then it's like, this year I was like, it's pointless. It's now it, it like, but like back then nobody was doing it, you know? And, and it's like, but, but then also the stakes have gotten higher. Like for a while, five years ago, I was like, okay, a church is, is starting to do one service on MLK weekend where they can, where, where the white nationalists are, are and the Christian nationalists are already going to boycott that service anyway, but we we can do something for that one week. And, a mutual friend of ours, she called it skim milk, skim MLK. She's like, oh, that's just skim milk, which is genius. <laughs> um, and, um, but, but I think to it, it going this, it became a one-off, not a discipling out of. And what you're getting after, um, 
I think for, for, I hope for many white leaders, they will be able to, to listen and receive, um, because it's, it's going to be crucial. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the deal, like, um, Dr. Corey Edwards did some research and man, what she brought back was, was devastating and very disheartening. She did research on the multi-ethnic church and, you know, I'm yeah. all about, I planted a multi-ethnic church in Southern California. I, you know, that's, that's my jam. Yep. So she comes back with this research, bro. And she says, basically many of the churches that she studied was, was ineffective, was ineffective in their mission to experience racial reconciliation. Here's why. She said, because a church can only be as multi-ethnic as the comfort of the whites. So in other words, once white people get uncomfortable, reconciliation cease to exist. So you have now leaders not able to pursue the mission of racial reconciliation, but pursuing the mission of white comfort in the midst of diversity. Because once white people get uncomfortable, they pick up and they leave the table. So in the first session of the conference, I'm making an appeal to my white siblings, my white brothers and sisters, because we are family. Um, We've got to know how to have really hard, challenging conversations and not take our ball and go home. Yes. Um, Got to be willing to sit in spaces with people that we probably disagree with or have a different perspective or have a different journey and bring something to bear that we wouldn't have heard before or wouldn't have experienced. And our first reaction not be to be a defensive or be a flight risk and say, all right, I'm out of here. Because it is the very essence of privilege to opt in and out of these conversations at our leisure. Yes. So part of me, bro, this is a burden because I'm fighting for something different for my kids and I don't have the luxury of opting in and out of the conversation. I'm in it. Um, you, T.D. Jake says this, you can't, uh, you can get a Ph.D. as a white person and never have to study, sit under, sit with black culture. Never have to have a black teacher, never have to sit under black culture, never have to sit in that seat. You can get you can go all the way to the highest level of PhD and never have to do that. As a black man, I can't get a GED without having to understand white culture and to navigate it. Bro, I am trained from a child up to acquiesce to white comfort so that the guy interviewing me to get the job at Rally's Hamburgers isn't thrown off because I don't know if he's ever been around Black people before. And when my white counterpart shows up, that looks like his nephew. That looks, oh, that looks like my nephew. That looks like my son. When I show up, that looks like the guy I saw on news or that looks like the guy I saw on a TV show or that looks like a rapper. So I don't know who this, so I've got to talk in a way that's calming to him. I've got to work hard to try to relate and acquiesce to his level of comfort so that he feel good about giving me a job. So with this space that we're creating, it's a safe space, but it is a very uncomfortable space. I'm inviting people, bro, and I'm asking people to register to pay $99 so I can make them feel uncomfortable, so I can offend them. Um, But for minorities, for all of us, it's going to be an opportunity to sit at the feet of some of the greatest communicators on these topics 
and to hear insight from scripture, from God's word and practicality that, um, that, that will, that'll stretch us. And I think the church of Jesus Christ needs some spaces where we're stretched. So you can, you can be comfortable when you go back to your church on Sunday morning, but come and sit and be stretched with us with the preaching masterclass as we talk about discipling out racism. I love it, man. I, I mean, seriously, this is, I, I can't wait just to sit and just uh, get a front row seat just to, to listen and learn because there's it's so much. I mean, it's amazing how, when you talk about how much it's in the system, you know, I remember looking at a whole bunch of job descriptions for teaching pastor jobs um, and that, that the church I was serving at, you know, years back. And, and I, I looked at the, the job description and I was like, oh, this just basically is looking for a white 47-year-old um, because of the, the size, the experience, the, like this basically in just the write-up of what you've had to accomplish, it's, it, it basically, without saying it, it's just it, no women, no people of color. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, you, and so it's, you, you learn to pick up on the keywords, the little keywords and says, you know what I mean? It's, it's in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and then I think what's unfortunate is these ideas of multiculturalism, uh, have, have become really, uh, tasting assimilation. And so like where, where it's on, you know, like when you use your example with rallies, you know, it's on you to care for me, to care yeah. for my whiteness and I, and I'm just like, wow, what, do, this is my question. And you probably get after this in one of the sessions. And so if I don't mean to, if, if it gives it away, you can just say, no, that's good. go check it out. But, um, what, what's the, what do you think under the Dr. Corey's research would be the reason why whites don't want to be uncomfortable? Why, why people don't want to be uncomfortable? Yeah. Like in that sense of like, it, it, like that, that, you know what? Well, I think on a larger scale, to be fair, none of us like to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I love to be as comfortable as possible. I was talking with Reggie Joyner, who's also part of the preaching masterclass event. We hadn't even told people he's going to be there. We're doing a panel, bro. Me, Reggie, Megan Fate Marshman, a young lady named Love Susie it. Gomez, and Come Ricky on. Jenkins. We talk about this thing. Reggie says this. He says, as a white man, if I'm going to be honest, this conversation makes me uncomfortable because of fear of what I have to lose if I, if I confess and surrender the reality of what we know to be true concerning racial inequality in our society. So he says, there's a fear of what I have to lose. So, so check this out. You got the Black Lives Matter movement this past summer, and then you got this white supremacist, white nationalism, this, this, this Trump, pro-Trump deal. And you know, that's not political, that's just, they had Trump flags. So, yeah. um, so that just is what it is. Um, so you got those two movements, right? And they're trying to compare them uh, to one another, and it's really an unfair comparison. One was a response to being abused by the system. Um, so one was the abuse of power. The other was the loss of power. 
It's the loss of power. And I think at the core of the discomfort of my white siblings is a fear of loss of power. Man, man. Okay. See, everyone listening to this, you have to sign up. I'm giving you six days to sign up. Uh, if you, this is, this is, this was intentional. And here's the thing. You're going to see this on, on social media. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pay for two people to get in like crafting character. We're going to make this happen. Cause, um, and we're going to do a little, little way to kind of, uh, you'll find out on social media, but we're going to, we're going to get you there because you got to be there. Um, Hey, can you give a list of any more of the speakers? I, I've seen a, a number of them. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So so we've got Brian Loritz, um, Joe Saxon. Y'all know Joe Saxon legend. is a force to be reckoned with. Um, Jeanette Oak, who's a fuller prof out here in Southern California uh, preaching. She's a beast. Eric Mason, Charlie Dates, uh, Matt Chandler, Gabriel Silgaro, uh, David Swanson, Danielle Strickland, Mark Laberton, the president of Fuller Seminary, Ricky Jenkins, uh, Latasha Morrison, Eugene Cho, uh, Rich Velotis, Carlos yes. Whitaker, Yo, Reggie Joyner, Megan Faith. It don't stop. We don't quit. It keeps going and going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where do, where do we go to sign up? Where do we go? Yo, preachingmasterclass.com. Sign up right now. It's on demand. Streaming start February 8th, February 9th. Register. Your registration will last for a few days. We're meeting the data to see exactly how many. So I think it's going to be around 30 days. So you okay. get the content for 30 days. You get to sit with it because I'm telling you, it's deep and it's heavy. And I'm giving you so much. You're going to have about 12 to 15 hours of content. You got a lot. So we want to give you time to go through it, sit with it, invite other friends, have group discussions on it. It's rich. And it's the conversation for this generation because we're trying to disciple out racism as we begin to reframe racial reconciliation as spiritual formation. So y'all join me. Steve, that's so nice of you to give away two tickets. I appreciate you, bro. Um, and thanks for letting me on this platform. And I got to come back so we can actually get down and talk about preaching. Uh, I would love it. I, I would love it. Hey, preaching. hey, real quick, before we go, where can people find you? Uh, so Albert Tate on Instagram, on Twitter and Facebook is just my name, Albert Tate. Um, you can go there. I do a daily uh, devotional in the mornings. Um, called Good News Today. So on all of my platforms, we go live every morning, but you can go back and watch the playback on YouTube, uh, Albert Tate. You can go subscribe to my channel. I'm just out here, y'all, trying to be like Steve Carter. Whatever, so that's whatever. all I'm doing. I'm just trying to hold up and keep up with my man, yo. <laughs> hey, Albert, thanks so much for joining. And seriously, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. And yeah, I'm praying you. for this, this event. And I'm really, really believing um, our kids are going to experience a different kind of church and a different kind of formation because of this kind of work. So thanks for leading the way. I'll carry your bags. I'll, I'll do whatever. Uh, no, but what man, you're I love do you. You're going to plant a church somewhere and I'm going to come and I want to be your, your assistant teaching pastor. I'll be your number two. I, I'll even be number three or four. I'll take number three or four. I know you guys are the favorites, so I'll take number three or four. Just call me when you're ready, Steve. Awesome, awesome, man. Hey, love you, brother. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, peace.